Okay, this week's episode is really refreshing. I'm, I'm really excited we have Matthew Pfeifferon. He's an orthopedic surgeon, sports medicine specialist, about 10 years into practice. He's out of Santa Barbara, California. Poor guy having to live out in Santa Barbara. He's getting by. I guess he was a little traffic with Prince Harry and Meghan, but was able to make it to the interview after all. But really, a, you know, really a down-to-earth guy. And I, what I really like is his social media approach and really in the way in which he he talks and educates his patients in a way in which they can truly understand. Again, really refreshing episode. Matt's a great guy. I think everyone's going to really enjoy this one. Sit back and enjoy. Don't forget about the YouTube channel as well. Scott, Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the pro. From Medical Media, this is The Ortho Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of the Ortho Show podcast, where yes... Everyone knows we bring you the best of the best in orthopedics. We are going West Coast today out to Santa Barbara to Matthew Piper, who's an orthopedic surgeon, sports medicine specialist in private practice in Santa Barbara. We got to hang out a little bit at Shoulder 360 down in Miami, and we just thought it would be a great idea to bring you on. Matt, what a pleasure it is to have you here. Well, it's great to be here, man. Thanks for having me. I love it. No, it's great, man. You uh, You put on... Uh, an outstanding uh, conversation and uh, and lecture at Shoulder 360 about social media. And we know you did a great job because you gave a huge <laughs> shout out to the Ortho Show. So we That's thank you great. very much. <laughs> you guys uh, had I your own it. slide. That's how much you're slaying it, killing it, and entertaining the world and educating. So I figured you deserved it. No, that was very kind of you. It really was. <laughs> and great, greatly appreciated for sure. So, so listen, man, we always like to start at the beginning and What's great about the Ortho Show, you know, we bring on, you know, so many different orthopedic surgeons or people in industry, all different ages, different layers, you know, times in their career. So this is great to have someone, what are you in the first 10 years of your practice at this point? How, how, how long have you been in? Yeah, that's about right. I think uh, nine. Yeah, I think I got out of fellowship at 13 or 14 back in the day. So yeah, all right. That, so that 10 year mark. You got some gray hairs in the beard there, so we love it. But, uh, all right, let's talk about where it started, okay? Born and bred, where are you from? Are you the only doctor in the family? What was your motivation? Tell us about all that when you were growing up. Yeah, so uh, I'm a farm boy from Ohio. So literally the middle of nowhere, farm country. When I woke up in the morning, I opened the door and I looked at a farm uh, cornfield and I had woods in the back. So Small town, Ohio. Pops worked for GM and military. My mom was a housewife, typical Midwestern uh, wife there. So that's where I, that's where it all started. And I think uh, my dad would always have me help, like build garages, barns, do all the handy stuff around the house from a young age. So that's when I uh, had affinity and love for power tools. To like look at me now. So if I had to say one of the reasons it happened, it may have started back in the day then, but. Uh, so that's oh, no, I, I love it. So, so that hands-on, you know, uh, process of using your hands and your eyes and building stuff, very similar to sort of what we do in some of the ways in orthopedics. Uh, so then it's, it's off to Ashland university where you're a division two football player. You're started for four years. And I do, we do our homework here. One of the all-time scoring <laughs> leaders, 
What was the position? <laughs> Tell us what was going on there, brother. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, you, you dug the dirt and you found it. So my former life back in the day, uh, I actually grew up playing a lot of soccer and I was a striker and I had a really hard kick and uh, I ended up, you know, playing all sports. There probably wasn't a sport I didn't play, but I could really kick a ball far, hard and straight. So Ashland University and a bunch of other schools liked it. And I picked Ashland because it was a good academic school. Um, I would have redshirted, which I did. And I got to start and play for four years, which is why I got to really put those numbers up and they had an interesting forensic toxicology major. And I was interested in science early on. So I thought I was going to do that and be like a CSI person, but that didn't work out, but football was fun. Did four years. I left with a chemistry major and a molecular cellular biology major. I doubled because I redshirted. It gave me a little extra time and a free education. Uh, and then I did the free agency for a year. So I actually uh, tried it in the NFL. The Bears said, you know, if you go down, you're our next guy. And then I got med school after that. So that was awesome. What a great what story. I yeah. love that. And that's I was a place England. kicker. Yeah, that's as what I did. I was a place kicker. Yeah, I mean, that's for, as a leading scorer, that makes a lot of sense. You're out there, especially if you can actually get it between the uprights. But as a New England Patriots fan, you know, We've had some of the greatest field goals in the history of the game to win Super Bowls, and we've had some great field goal kickers. So definitely a definitely a position that we admire for sure. So, but that's pretty cool. So you had a chance to play for the Bears. It was uh, the free agency, and uh, just uh, somebody didn't get injured in time for you to to get going. And so you off to medical school you go. Yeah, it was the fallback, man. I had to go to med school. I had to do something. So but, uh, <laughs> your side your side hustle was medical school. <laughs> so uh, you know, went to Case Western in Cleveland, you know, still kept it in Ohio. It was a great school. And when I was there, I had some great orthopedic surgeons. I got to uh follow at the Cleveland Clinic as well at university hospitals. And that's where I initially just found my affinity. It kind of found me, and that's what I enjoyed the most. So so you got so you got the old farm days at the at the farm back home when you're growing up. You're building stuff. You're then do football and and that process and that's sort of a natural process to bring you to orthopedic surgery. Uh, so you get through Case Western. You also get a master's as well. And then it's off to uh, you're making a big move here. You know you went from Ohio and you made it all the way over to Michigan. That must have been really stressful for you. <laughs> Well, I didn't get gangster enough in Cleveland, so I had to go to Detroit. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So off so. to Beaumont with to the residency program in Michigan. What a and we actually we just had Michael Wider on uh uh two weeks ago. So his episode is gonna be on pretty good. So Michael had to have been there uh yeah. during your residency as well, right? Must be one of your mentors. Exactly. So uh these days I'm kind of known as the shoulder guy. I do like 80, 90 percent shoulder. A uh, big part of my open total shoulder uh, was being uh, underneath and learning from Mike Wyatter for like five years. It's a mini fellowship. Uh, and he was my total shoulder guy that really molded me. And then on the other side of things, on the sports side, uh, Dr. Kyle Anderson, who is the head uh, uh, Detroit uh, Lions doc, who kind of took me under his wing. So I got, you know, I had many, many mentors there, but those two really stick out. So got to tell wider i said hi and i got uh i got to jump on here too <laughs> no i love it dude you you guys are alumni together you're you're pretty yeah. close how about the american pharaoh sharif bashay but he was in town but wasn't really part of that residency if i'm not mistaken 
No, he wasn't linked. And I actually have, I didn't, I, I'm good friends with him now, but I didn't get to meet him till down the road, unfortunately. But uh, my wife, uh, who's a nurse practitioner, is from that area. We're going back to visit Michigan uh, in the middle of August. And me and Sharif got a, some uh, golf to play and some drinks to share. So I'll be seeing him then. No, I love it. I love it. One of yeah. our one of our major Detroit players that we love on the Earth of the show for sure. Uh, yeah. All right, so 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 basically, you got the bug. You're getting some really great treatment for sports medicine and your shoulder and your residency, uh, and then it's off to San Diego for your fellowship. Tell us about the fellowship. Fellowship was uh, Kaiser San Diego. Um, Obviously not a bad spot to land after putting in the time in the Midwest. So that was a nice appeal. And what I really liked about the this fellowship was it was a hybrid. It almost like you had your own practice. So at Kaiser, you had great sports mentors. Anshu Singh's out there is a big shoulder guy. Ned Young, Don Fithian, you know, all these really good guys, great names, great mentors. But when you show up, you start building up your own patients and your own clinic. And then when you would book patients, you would start booking patients underneath your mentors. And then it got to the point once they saw your you know, skills in the OR and your capability and your decision making, you would eventually would go off and you're essentially running your own office in a sense. So it was much different than a lot of other fellowships. I, when I jumped out into the real world, I mean, I was ready for it. I wasn't scared at all. It felt like I was already taking care of patients, running my own office for the last year. So um, it was great. And San Diego doesn't suck. So that's kind of where I got the California bug too. So yeah, our, our oldest is in Carlsbad. <laughs> so we, uh, we try to get out there as often as we can. It's uh, one of the most beautiful places on the planet for, for no doubt. I'm actually coming out to La Jolla for a wedding uh, coming up in the, in the fall as well. And, you know, I mean, I love the Kaiser, the whole mentality of the Kaiser Permanente system is really incredibly unique. You know, you know, Ron Navarro is a dear friend and uh, Nima and Rafi and just some really tremendous orthopedic surgeons in that system. But what I really love about the system is it allows you to really become a super specialist very quickly, right? You can, they dial it in for you. Early on in your practice, you're doing exactly what you want. So I think it's fascinating to hear about that fellowship in the way in which they allowed you to get your reps early on, get your confidence, you know, in the operating room because, you know, as soon as you've done your fellowship, I can still remember 30 years ago doing my first knee scope as, as an attending, just sitting there saying, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, here we go, right? And it's like, so the more prepared you are, the better you are. So, so all right, so now, you you know, you finally broke out of the Midwest. You have a great year down in San Diego with a tremendous fellowship. And all of a sudden, you're going to North Carolina. <laughs> now, when did you get married? How's your wife in the process of all of this? When, when was that? Uh, when did that happen? Early on in training or was it already later on? Yeah, so it was marriage end of residency. It was typical Grey's Anatomy doctor. I saw this smoking hot, you know, girl in the ICU uh, being or taking care of the patients. So it was a hospital love story, as many of us have. Uh, we got married at the end of residency and all of her family is in Michigan and she kind of was a homebody and she really hasn't seen the United States. And I knew early on, I kind of wanted to be out West, but she always wanted to stay close to family. So as I was driving out to fellowship, I signed a contract with Carolina health system in North Carolina, outside of Boone. 
uh, before I even got to California with her. And then when she gets out there, she's like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. I love it. I'm like, well, I told you, but we already signed in North Carolina. So uh, (laughs) I blame her for North Carolina two years. But it was a great experience uh, in North Carolina. It was very rural. Do you ever seen the movie Doc Hollywood? That's kind of how I felt like it was. It was kind of in the middle of nowhere. It was me and one other generalist orthopedic surgeon that was taking care of a huge number of rural patients right on the Blue Ridge Parkway. So it was gorgeous. Um, that's a great, a great, a great breeding ground, right? To be able to, to be the man, right? There was yeah. a lot of other going on. And this is in the Appalachians at this point, if I'm not mistaken, in Boone. So it's, you know, like you said, these people really wanted and needed health care. And they'd have to drive a little bit of a ways to come and get you, I'm sure. Uh, but how long were you there for? Uh, we were there two years. Um, and what it was, was, you know, once you have that California bug, it's hard to not want to live out there. And even during my North Carolina days, I still had a couple, you know, programs that kept trying to recruit me in and say, we'd love to have you come join us. So I finally took one up on their offering, got my butt out to Santa Barbara. So once I had that for the show. There we who, go. Who who lands a job in Santa Barbara? Let's walk through this, okay? You're in the Appalachians of North Carolina, right? I mean, it's one of the most sought after places on the planet. If anybody that hasn't been to Santa Barbara, you should go. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, that I mean, you're ah, yeah, no big. They called me and I went out to Santa Barbara two years later. So you got to walk us through that because that had to have been a very sought after position. And uh, and tell us how you how you landed that job. So it's uh, interesting and, um, you know, there was a, a, a spine surgeon who had a very large practice out here and um, he did a lot of work comp, a lot of med legal work. And um, he was looking for an orthopedic surgeon and uh, his word got out to him that I was kind of looking to come back to California and he kind of researched me. At the same time, I was uh, also kind of looking to go back to Kaiser in San Diego. Um, So I was juggling two different positions and I I just picked Santa Barbara. So when I got out here underneath that spine surgeon, it was uh, another W-2 position, uh, which is something that's interesting where people are going to land these days. W-2s are private. But it was a lot more work comp and med legal. And um, financially, there were things promised that didn't exactly come to fruition. So even though I was out in Santa Barbara, it still wasn't the perfect job. And I had a couple other guys say, Pipe, come join our practice. So that that was my last and final move. So that happened about uh, four or five years ago, I think five years ago. So I jumped in a group uh, with three other guys. We're all independent in the eyes of the government we all get to kind of do our own thing and share overhead um so that's where i'm at now no that's great so for our young listeners that are out there you know i think this is really important for them to hear because nowadays you know there's a lot of movement you know when i was growing up and just coming out of fellowship more often than not most people stayed with their job but uh nowadays there's more opportunity there's more communication and people are willing to make the move so it's so it's interesting. You go out to Santa Barbara. It turns out it's not exactly what you were hoping, but you got your foot in the door. You got to meet some colleagues. You got to meet some other people. And they're like, hey, dude, you're a nice guy. Come on in and join us in practice. And so 
and there you are, and you never look back, which is great. And there, you know, there's some competition out there, Professor Rick Ryu. Although I, for the rumor mill is that I think Rick is retiring, so maybe you're going to be getting even a little bit more busy. Not that you need it anymore, but it sounds like that may be the case. But so the life. Of, tell us about the life in Santa Barbara, dude. Come on, man. How yeah. good is how good is it out there? Oh man. So life in Santa Barbara. So I put, I literally grew up in the snow belt of Northern Ohio. So every day I pinch myself that I'm here and I'm just fortunate enough to live here. So it's a small town, hundred thousand people. It's literally ocean town and mountains. Um, I can get to one end of the town to the other, as long as there's no traffic and normally under 15 minutes close knit. Um, it's an interesting breakdown because being that there's a lot of wealth here, um, it tends to be just, everything's really nice, nice restaurants, nice schools. The schools are great. Um, very outdoorsy. We got the mountains right behind us, the ocean right there. And then I kind of live on a road where if you go up into the mountains, uh, you're in around 330 wineries at this point and ranches. So it's kind of the California Wild West, a lot of cowboys with uh, nice restaurants and food all snuggled into one. And it's not that big of a town, which I really like coming from a farm boy from Ohio. I, I'm not really I don't have the affinity to large cities for long periods of time. Yeah. And the weather sucks. Sorry to hear about that. But, yeah, you know, it was, it was it, you, somebody's got to get through it. But no, it was one of our favorite <laughs> towns. You know, I did my fellowship at Curlin Jove and on weekends. Uh, we would just get in the car and we would go to a different place in California every weekend in Santa Barbara and the San Inez Valley and all those wineries in the back are just really a special place, you know, for sure. So good for you. And then, yeah. I mean, you probably have some issues with Prince Harry and Meghan every once in a while, you know, causes <laughs> traffic in that world. But yeah, I'm sure you're getting by. I'm sure they'll be knocking on the door for a consult for some PRP any day now, for sure. <laughs> My but only issue so far is... Um, um, uh, Megan was behind my wife in a store and my wife's looking at some boots that were way too expensive. And Megan walks up and goes, Oh, I love those boots. I have them myself. So my wife looks at him. She's like, Oh, thanks. Trying them on. She's like, Oh yeah, they look great on you. So of course she says she has to buy the boots. So that was oh. my issue so far <laughs> is the influence on my wife's spending habits. Otherwise, um, you know, they've been very well accepted in the community. There's so many, like influential celebrity people here that no one really bugs them. It's kind of a nice little haven. And it's like, take the fame of LA, but people that don't want to live in LA. So they kind of live around here. Yeah, no, that's great. That's the price of doing business in Santa Barbara, brother. That's you're right, have to, you got to pay for the boots. Sunshine uh, tax. <laughs> I'm sure your wife's very happy. All right. So let's talk some orthopedics. Um, you know, so, regenerative medicine. I know that's one of your passions. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about how you use that in your clinical practice. What are you using? PRP, platelet-rich plasma, you're doing some bone marrow aspirate, you're doing lipogems. What's your what's your regenerative medicine du jour that you're using routinely and how are you using it? Yeah. So um, and I'm very uh I love to do research, make sure what I'm doing for my patients works. So at this point within my office itself, I do a lot of PRP for arthritis, leukocyte poor. I'll do tendinopathies. I'll do injections for tendinitis, you know, mainly PRP in the office. Um, I do a lot of BMAC, bone marrow aspirate concentrate, more within surgery. So if I'm going to repair a rotator cuff, and the patient elects for it. I'll do BMAC. I'll kind of inject it into the interface, code it. So my great analogy is, I think it's great anyway, is I say PRP 
is little bags of growth factors. Think of fertilizer for the garden. And depending on what your condition is, you know, I try and help it grow or I try and keep inflammation down. And for arthritis, I say it keeps the fishbowl clean for a long period of time. It doesn't let the fire of inflammation get as big. And then I'll say, well, you got fertilizer for the garden, extra fertilizer, but then say I'm trying to repair a rotator cuff back down or heal something. I think BMAC is extra seeds for the garden. They're kind of the extra seeds, the quarterbacks, they help with all the cellular pathways and research is starting to show if you, you know, do BMAC within a rotator cuff repair, there's been a few studies the last years, faster return to work, sports, less pain, uh, up to a year. And then after a year, it kind of peters off. But I mean, I can quote that stuff all day, but you know, biologics, I think they're very powerful. Um, and the only downside is the wallet, you know, it's cash only, we don't get reimbursed for it. So we'll see where that goes in time. Uh, fortunately I'm in an area that, um, people are willing to pay for biologics. So it's worked out well for me and my practice. Well, I got good news for you because now when next time my mother tells me that she has shoulder pain, I'm flying her out to Santa Barbara to see you because Matthew, that was one of the best explanations that my mother can understand about PRP <laughs> and BMAC. So, so well done. We appreciate that. You know, and it's funny, you know, uh, when it comes to rotator cuffs, I'm a firm believer as well, right? It's not rotator cuff tears are not just a mechanical problem. It is also a biologic problem. And at the end of the day, if we want to improve our outcomes, get patients to have better results, get these rotator cuffs to heal. Remember, the rotator cuff is attached to a patient, so we do care about the patient experience. Uh, we need to work on the mechanical side as well as the biologic side. And where, you know, whether that's BMAC or a new pharmacologic agent that may come out that might be able to eventually have a CPT code that we can use for insurance, uh, whether that's an implant of some sort, a collagen implant or a synthetic implant some people are using. So lots of options and ways to do it, but I do really, I like that explanation, sort of dialing it down uh, so people can understand it. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to be patient pay for a long time, despite the fact that there's more and more science coming out, thanks to Don Buford and Scott Bruder and the people that are really out there helping to police this world, but also to help generate the research that's necessary. I think more and more information is heading us in that direction. So yeah, big fan of, uh, of, uh, uh, going as far as the uh, biologic process as well. I'm more of a PRP guy. I'm not in the midst right now of drinking, digging big holes in people's pelvis. I probably should, but uh, I'll leave that to the younger guys for now, for sure. So yeah. great story. So I like that a lot. So let's talk about another thing that you and I have in common. And obviously, as we talked at the beginning of the show, you have a great sense of social media because you recognize the greatness of the ortho show and gave us a slide in your talk. Of course. But, you know, <laughs> but I think it's important, right? I mean, tell me how you use social media in your clinical practice, because I think a lot of the, you know, our senior doctors are still sort of wary of that approach. But yet, obviously, the younger docs and the younger generation use it routinely. Yeah. So. I, I, um, when I approached someone and talking initially about social media, I always like to comment that these days when a patient is looking for a doctor, they will go online. 75% of patients will pick one doctor, me, Matthew Pfeiffer over the awesome Scott Sigmund, not only based on reputation, but our social media and online presence. So that's a powerful tool. And I, also know that say a primary care doctor says, go, go see Scott. He's going to rock your ACL tear. He's a great surgeon. 
that patient 95% of the time will look you up on the internet first to see what, what, what you're all about. So when I start off with social media, I say that, you know, you don't have to be what's called an influencer and have millions of followers and make a lot of money off it. You don't have to people have people following you around with cameras or take funny pictures out in public, stopping traffic. And you can if you want, and it's not going to hurt you, but you just need a baseline internet social media presence. And to that effect is when someone goes on to Google you, what's going to show up is if you have a Google business page, if you have your own website, who you're affiliated with, and then you start throwing on like an Instagram, a TikTok, a Twitter, a Doximity, just so the patients know that you're out there, someone's commenting on you, and that right there will get you patients in this day and age of where we're at. So I think that's a good baseline. Some people kick it up and do those things where they try and get thousands of followers. Some people have amazing podcasts, not for to get patients, but it's just kind of what they do. So if you do something cool like that, or you're passionate about taking pictures, put it on there. It's only going to help you, man. So that's that's what I start off with, to say the least. Yeah, I think that's very, it's very articulate, very well done, and yeah. and, a, and a big believer. I mean, I think that you know, and you don't. And when I said you know the the senior guys may not be using social media, a lot of people do. Joe Abood is wonderful, you know, with his social media process, and it just depends on what you want to do. And 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 then you you develop a, whatever brand you want to be, right? I, I you know whether you said maybe it's a podcast, maybe you want to educate patients, maybe you know you you want to talk about the latest literature that's out there. But like I had a seventy year old woman walk into my office just yesterday and say. Yeah, I was referred by a friend and I went online and I Googled you and I know all this stuff that you're doing and I want you to do my surgery. So it's like literally the the conversation and the relationship is started before the patient even walks in the door so that your ideal patient can literally be sitting there waiting for you as you open the door, knowing they're there because they want to see you. How cool is that? That's cool, man. It's powerful too. And it empowers them because... I love personally, if you're one of my patients, the second you walk in, I want to educate you at whatever level you want educated at. So you understand what's going on with you. So you walk in with a rotator cuff tear. I'm going to talk about how rotator cuff goes around the humeral head. It keeps the ball centered. If you tear it and it's full tear, it's only going to get worse. And over time you may get rotator cuff arthropathy and I may have to do a total shoulder on you, which I don't want to do. I want to catch the rotator cuff nice and early. And that's why full thickness tear should be fixed kind of a sense. So, you know, I do my best to educate. And when they walk in and they already know, yeah, like I got a, I got a tear, it's super spinatus, it's full thickness, Dr. Pfeiffer, should I fix it? If not, you know, what should I do? You know, they're just on a different level these days when they walk in and it makes it more efficient and a better level of understanding. So I, I actually prefer a well-educated patient. No, that's great. I mean, I think I can just sense, you know, one of your superpowers is your ability to communicate to patients in a way that they can understand and listen, put it to a way in which it really makes sense for them, you know, talking equal, you know, in a way. And I think you've done that very, you've done that very well, even on the episode today, uh, just listening to you. So, you know, look, we're going to close pretty soon here, but what advice would you give? Because, you know, I look at you and you found a successful career path that took you three times to sort of get to where you truly wanted to be. What advice would you give to our medical students and young residents out there that are seeking a job as to what they can do to try and, and make it right maybe the first time? Yeah, so 
Um, you know, you, I think your specialty will find you. You may not, you may think you want one thing. I think I switched three or four times from plastics to spine to sports, to shoulder. I think it finds you. Don't worry about that too much. Um, as far as going where you want to go, kind of pick locations. And then these days, and this is a whole separate talk is I think, uh, in the future, you're going to be a W2 employee. You're going to be, uh, independent and that's going to be the mi minority. I'm very passionate about the business side of medicine. I've got LLC starter ups. I bunch, I do a bunch of random uh, things to, make it so uh, I have a much easier lifestyle taking care of patients and not as financially stressed by getting into the business side of medicine too. So actually when someone walks in, like we have uh, UC Santa Barbara, I have all my scribes from there, like, Pfeiffer, what's, what do I need to know now as an undergrad? And the first thing I tell them is start reading about finances. Go to like the white coat investor, Start learning about money, learn about your loans, you know, learn about starting an LLC, you know, independent contracting, because they're going to teach you everything about science and medicine. And the one thing that we don't get a lot, unfortunately, is how to survive the real world with rising costs, you know, 30 percent de deduction and our reimbursement in the last 20 years. Uh, you know, the burnout of surgeons, doctors, medicine, and the stress we associate normally isn't with patients or technology. We got that dialed in. It's getting reimbursed for it and surviving and putting, you know, almost food on the table in some insta instances. So uh, that's my normal uh, advice. It's, uh, you know, let the medicine, the science guide you, but hone in on uh, the finances in life and you'll be, you'll be uh, much happier and less burnt out. So... Great advice. I think that, you know, we, we, we're asked to do more every day, right? Press more buttons. And it seems like every day we're finding out that we're going to get reimbursed less. Uh, so having the, the side hustles, if you will, whether it's with, you know, industry or medical device design or whether it's legal work that you can do on the side as well. But there's a lot of ways that you're owning a surgery center or being a part of different businesses, I think, is a great way to augment your, your income and take some of the stress away from the clinical practice of medicine. So I think that's really, you know, terrific device. So, advice. Matt, this was awesome. This is a, a breath of fresh air uh, to have a young buck orthopedic surgeon 10 years into his practice who's really doing quite well, successful in a great environment. I love the way in which you approach medicine, the way in which you communicate with your patients, the way that you're staying abreast of the latest technologies and, and being a part of societies and communities as we saw each other at Shoulder 360. And uh, so really well done. It's been a pleasure having you on, brother. Thanks, man. I'm just happy to be here. It's uh, great to get to know you and we get to continue to uh, associate at all the meetings and conferences. And I look forward to more great conversations like these as we go. Absolutely. You are now officially an Ortho Show alumni, Matthew Pfeiffer, Santa Barbara, California. This is Dr. Scott. There you got it, brother. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time. <laughs>